0: risk habeas corpus from a smarty-pants lawyer down the road based on ineffective assistance of counsel. But why me, Mac asked, slumping back in his chair. Because it involves the Hightower family, the judge said slowly. Who else could do it? Mac didn't answer. Peter Thomason was charged with murder. It wasn't a sordid domestic killing or the result of a botched drug deal. The victim was 19-year-old Angela Hightower, the only child of Alexander and Sarah Hightower, "'the most influential family in Denison Springs. "'Hightower Money was the backbone "'of several major business ventures in the area, "'and no local lawyer in his right mind "'did anything to antagonize them. "'No lawyer, that is, except Mac. "'I see,' Mac said. "'You don't know a young lawyer "'who would take the case without caring about the consequences.' "'Do you?' the judge responded. "'Mac mentally ran down the list of possibilities "'and shook his head. "'None with any criminal defense experience.' I can't appoint someone who's been handled a few NOLO pleas in traffic court to a murder case. Mac shrugged. It's been a while. Last major criminal case I handled was uh, State versus Jefferson, Judge interrupted. Three and a half years ago. You tried the case for three days to a hung jury. DA's office decided to noly prose the charge and turn him loose. Mac suppressed a slight smile. You didn't think he was guilty either, did you? No comment. "'My point is that under the Sixth Amendment, Thomason deserves quality representation, "'and you don't want to jeopardize another young lawyer's career "'by asking him to defend the man who may have murdered the High Towers' daughter.' "'Right.' "'Judge leaned forward and picked up the order. "'Even though you're an officer of the court, I'm not going to make you do this.' "'Mac raised his eyebrows. "'I can refuse?' "'Yes. Consider it over the weekend. Call me Monday morning.' "'Mac walked down the steps of the courthouse.' He'd read articles about the murder in the local newspaper. It would be a difficult case to handle. The Hightowers would spare no expense to obtain a conviction. Forgetting about the bullets, the pills, and his beer, he crossed the street. and With each step, the secret dark thoughts of his own death retreated. Thoughts about another man, whose life hung in the balance before the eyes of everyone in Dakota County took their place. After the automobile accident that claimed the lives of his wife, Laura, and their two sons, Zach and Ben, Mac lived six months in the two-story white frame house where he and Laura raised their family. Only a couple of minutes from his law office, the house sat peacefully at the end of a tree-lined street in an older neighborhood behind the local high school. The house with green shutters was Laura's creation, an expression of her artistic ability and attention to detail. During construction, Mac worked long hours to pay the bills and left every major and minor decision to her. He didn't care what she did. He just wanted her to love it, and her delight was his reward. After the funeral, a friend suggested that Mac ought to stay in the house and work through his grief, but after a few months of lonely evenings and restless nights, he put the house on the market, He couldn't continue walking into the kitchen and expecting to see Laura leaning against the counter drinking a cup of coffee. He sold the house with green shutters and purchased fifteen wooded acres ten miles north of town. Picking the highest spot on the property, he hired a local contractor to build a spacious stone and cedar cabin that faced the mountains to the east and brought the outdoors inside through several large plate-glass windows. Now that he was in the country by himself, Mac indulged himself by purchasing two female beagles, Flo and Sue, and behind his new house he built a large chain-link dog run where his pets stayed until he came home and released the brown and white sisters to roam and sniff the woods each evening. It wasn't cold enough to build a fire in the fireplace. But winter was on the way, and Mac's supply of firewood needed to be replenished, pouring a whiskey. He watched a made-for-TV movie until his eyelids grew heavy and he dozed. He woke up sweating and gasping for breath at 3 a.m. It was the usual nightmare. It began in different forms but always ended the same. Tonight it started in peace on a beautiful fall afternoon. Mac, Laura and their two sons were walking around a lake. Mac looked at his boys and remembered Another day, many years passed, when they had taken off their shoes and waded into the cold water to catch tadpoles with paper cups. The dark mud squished under Mac's feet, and the tadpoles zigzagged crazily back and forth near the surface of the water. Laura sat on the grass and watched. The scene shifted. Snow on the ground. The lake deserted. Mac, in a hurry to get home, they were all in the four-wheel drive vehicle, even asleep. sleepy. "'knew what was coming, but in his unconscious state "'he could not stop the projector from flashing the scenes "'that came before his eyes. "'He looked at the boys sitting in the back seat. "'They were watching out the windows as flakes fell. "'He glanced at Laura, who smiled, reached out, "'and laid her hand on his shoulder. "'His heart beat faster. "'He tried to turn his head away from the pictures "'that started coming more rapidly. "'The line between dream and reality blurred. "'Mac gripped the steering wheel "'and slammed his foot down on the brake pedal. "'Blackness descended.' "'Mac didn't see the horror but felt its presence "'and knew what lay behind the veil. "'In the dream he screamed. "'In his sleep he moaned and woke up. "'Immediately his hand went to Laura's side of the bed "'and came up empty. "'Splashing his face at the bathroom sink "'he tried to wash away the guilt and grief "'neither water nor time could erase.' Several hours later, the morning sun flooded the bedroom with light. Mac rolled over for an extra few minutes of semi-consciousness before stumbling into the kitchen to fix a cup of black coffee. After a few sips, the phone rang. "'Hello?' he mumbled. "'Has the sun come up in the far north?' a deep voice asked. "'Barely,' Mac answered. "'Not finished my first cup of coffee.' "'I'm way ahead of you. Peggy's fixed my favorite breakfast.' Already eaten three fried eggs, a couple of sausage patties, and several biscuits, and I want to come out and see you this morning. Mac took a bigger gulp of coffee and came fully awake. Ray, could you bring a chainsaw and split maul? I was going to cut some firewood this morning. I'll wear my woodcutting overalls. Mac and Ray Morrison had known each other since Mrs. Warlick's second grade class. Mac encouraged him to try his hand as a private detective, and within a few years Ray was making plenty of money without the political hassles of being a county sheriff. Mac paid him a modest monthly retainer to ensure that no one on the opposing side of a case hired him before Mac could give him a call for help. Wood-splitting would go a lot quicker with Ray on the end of a mall. Mac put on his own work clothes and poured another cup of coffee. In a few minutes he heard the sound of Ray's truck coming up the driveway— Once they collected a half-dozen trees, Mac and Ray started cutting up the logs into 24-inch sections with chainsaws. Flo and Sue barked excitedly at the angry buzz of the saws and ran back and forth from the house to the woods. In an hour and a half, a respectable pile of wood lay on the ground. Mac motioned to Ray, who flipped the kill switch on the saw. Let's take a break before we split it. They sat in rocking chairs on the deck and drank cold water. Ray popped an entire sausage biscuit into his mouth like a soda cracker. "'Are you feeling any older?' Mac asked, wiping his forehead with a red bandana. Ray swallowed the biscuit, took another gulp of water. "'Well, if I remember correctly, I'm about three months older than you are, but you don't have to rub it in.' "'You look it on top,' Mac said, eyeing the few stubborn strands of black hair clinging to the top of Ray's balding head.' I've had my head in too many tight spots, that's for sure. But to answer your question, when we all get together at Thanksgiving and Christmas and I see my kids and how old they look and my grandkids and how they've grown, Ray stopped when he saw the look in Mac's eyes. Oh, I'm sorry, Mac. That was stupid of me. Wasn't thinking. Mac shook his head. I asked, didn't I? I know what you meant. I'd just been thinking recently. About what? About what? "'I'm tired.' "'Of legal wars?' "'Mac paused. "'Maybe.' "'Ray was silent for a moment. "'You've been keeping to yourself for several months. "'That's one reason I called this morning. "'Peggy and I are worried about you. "'I'm not looking for sympathy. "'It's not that. "'It's being a friend.' "'Part of Mac wanted to tell Ray "'about the desperate debate "'that had been raging in his mind "'about the loneliness, the nightmares, "'the bullets and the pills.' But entrenched masculinity kept his lips sealed. Even with a friend of fifty years, he couldn't bear his soul. "'Maybe I need a challenge,' he said. "'What kind of challenge?' Ray asked. "'Something to get my adrenaline going.' If you considered rock climbing?' Max sat up in his chair and laughed. "'Only if we did it together.' Ray patted his ample stomach. "'It will take a big rock, one with steps and handrails already cut into it.' "'I have a better idea,' Max said. "'I could quick practice in law.' and work for you as your bodyguard. You're not broad enough, Ray grinned. You couldn't shield me from a bullet unless it was coming at me dead center. Well, Max said, slowly, maybe you could protect me. How? From myself. By making me laugh. Come on, let's get to the-